What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Scoop for Thursday, January 6th. This is your Daily Buckeye Fix. I'm Tom Moore. The Notre Dame game is in 240 days, the game against Michigan in 325 days. With the Buckeyes' Rose Bowl win over Utah now a few days in the past, it seemed like a good idea to uh, take a deep dive on what went right and what went wrong in that game for Ohio State. There's only one person I would want to do that with, Buckeye Scoops X's and O's guru, Ross Fulton. Ross, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you, Tom. Thanks. So before we get started, I did want to mention that Ohio State landed a commitment from Tanner McAllister. He was a safety for Oklahoma State this year before entering the portal. I know you probably haven't scouted him particularly closely, but can you give people some idea where he might fit on the Ohio State defense next fall? Yeah, uh, he plays the equivalent of Ohio State's cover safety position. So, you know, we talked last time in depth about the the three different safety positions. So he's he is at the spot, I would, you know, more generally call it like a field overhang or apex. Um, I think Knowles at Oklahoma State called the strike position, but essentially like where Marcus Williamson and Latham Ransom played. This year, closer to the line of scrimmage over the slot receiver or, or between the slot receiver and the um, offensive tackle. So with uh, Marcus Williamson uh, not not coming back to the team next year and then Lathan Ransom out with that, uh, that leg injury that we don't know when he's really going to be back. I, I mean, th- this seems like that might be a big, a big addition for them from that perspective in terms of filling that hole, but also just a guy who knows the Jim Knowles defense and might be able to kind of help from that perspective too. Yeah, I agree on both points. I, I find it difficult to believe that someone who, who started the last two years under Knowles would, would come and, and not start. I think that would be sort of just create a locker room issues if nothing else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Knowles' scheme is not uh, uncomplicated. And so it, I think it will certainly help to have people, someone familiar with it. And, you know, I think, It'll be interesting to see how they, you know, how they react. I mean, I think that Knowles is interested in getting different types of hybrid players uh, in different spots. Similarly, like Day, I think we've, as we talked about, he said uh, on the conclusion of early signing day, you know, they want basically a a nickel at that spot and then a bigger hybrid. Uh, you know, McAllister would definitely fit, fill the nickel portion of it. Uh, you know, I still want to even just with putting Latham Ransom's injury aside, still wonder whether he's a better fit maybe as a deeper free safety or field safety like the Josh Proctor position um so they do have lots of pieces coming back uh defensively so it'd be interesting to see but yeah I would I would expect to see McAllister at, at that uh field overhang spot safety spot 
All right. So now onto the Rose Bowl, you watched that game in person. So broadly speaking, what did you think about Ohio State's play on both sides of the ball at the end of the game? And what's maybe something that has changed after getting back to, uh, you know, getting back home and getting a chance to rewatch it afterwards? Yeah, well, I'll be the first to admit that, like, when I watch a in-game live, whether it's in person or on TV, I, you know, I pick up probably a fraction of what I see rewatching it with a more uh, analytical eye towards it. But, uh, you know, because you get – you do see when you're in person, particularly, like, close enough, you know, you definitely get more of a feel for the the, the personnel and the, and the bodies. But, you know, not having the uh, eye-in-the-sky camera angle kind of changes things. So, like, you know, some of the um, – you know, different tweaks they did on defense and the like are a little bit harder to see. And, you know, I can generally tell when it's like an RPO, for example, but, you know, you pick up pick up more of what's going on when you watch it the second time. So we are going to just be focusing on the offense for the rest of this show. You wrote an article this week that was incredibly in-depth. I'm honestly not sure we're going to get through the whole offense on this show, but we'll have you back on to talk about the defense at some point in the next, you know, next few days, next week or so. But, you know, you pointed out something in the past that was actually very useful to me while I was shooting the game from field level, which is when they're in pistol or under center, it is far more likely to be a running play than it is when they're lined up with the back next to the quarterback. That makes it much easier for me to figure out, okay, look, expect this to be a run, expect them to hand this off or expect them to throw the ball out of this formation uh, as I'm trying to find the ball behind all those bodies, that that helps me out a lot. But, you know, that didn't hold 100% true during the game. But if it made my job easier to know what might be coming, it seems like it probably made Utah's job easier as well. So how did the Utes take advantage of Ohio State's kind of tendencies in those personnel groupings? Yeah, I have a, I have a uh, task for any intrepid person who wants to spend some quality offseason time going back and like charting since 2019 of, you know, Ohio State's used pistol versus uh, offset halfback use and the run pass back breakdown because um, it would be interesting because you know I, I'm sure there's always been this tendency to some extent but it's become pretty uh, apparent this year um, I think there's a couple things at play on it I think part of it is Travion Henderson's running style that has resulted in them uh, wanting to be more in the pistol when he runs as well as the use more of um, you know with less emphasis on the read run game but you know, defenses are responding. So it's very similar to what Michigan did too, or Utah was playing one high cover one most of the time when Ohio State had the either under center and the pistol or, and, or like 12, two tight ends on the field. And then they'd go to more like a cover two when Ohio State was offset, you know, as just doing what you'd expect. They're expecting the one run from one formation and the pass from the other. Um, the difference from the Michigan game was that Ohio State picked up on it and then, and then took advantage of those tendencies themselves. So, I mean, the first half, especially the running game, did not look great for Ohio State. So, I mean, when, you know, how often, we've talked in the past about sometimes it's just a math problem when you see that, you know, where the defense has more defenders than they can block offensively. I mean, how, how often was that a, you know, how often was that the issue in the run game? And then how do you get around that issue? Yeah, so this is a it's a complicated question because I would push back, generally speaking, on the concept that there's like some problem with the run game. I mean, Ohio State had like the number one SP plus offense by far this year. They probably will again next year. So, you know, something's working right. Um, I, I would say I don't think the run game was as probably particularly explosive in the second half of the season. And, and that included Utah. I don't know 
Henderson's probably longest running at Utah was maybe 15 yards, if that. Um, and, you know, obviously, and then others throughout the year, there's been these few short yardage stops that everyone can think of. So one third, third and one short yardage stop, as I talked about in my article, is just simply a matter of being outnumbered. Ohio State had two tight ends on the field, so they had seven blockers. Utah had eight guys in the box. There was a free linebacker sitting there in the hole. And that situation, basically, like, you're if you have a running back that can run that guy over for a yard and, and some teams do great, that's not really Henderson. Um, or you got to, you got to throw and, you know, they did on the fourth down play, which was, you know, a pretty, uh, at the time, pretty gutsy call, but I do think they had, again, they had Utah figured out cause they stood in unbalanced knowing that Utah would probably play cover one against them. And, and they obviously felt pretty good about their matchup with CJ Stroud. Um, so to your, answer your question, I think, I do think there's maybe a little bit of something to the four tackle theory that's whatever you want to term you want to use. It's been out there for a while. I mean, I think in particular, Paris Johnson is not well suited to play right guard as a run blocker. There's been a few defensive tackles, including for Utah, who have been really difficult for him. Um, you know, I think he's more of a left tackle, which is totally fine. Um there's, you know, I think a lot of people want to look at the offensive line. I put more on the running backs. Uh, I, you know, I personally was, it, 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 when you were talking about in-game versus after the game, like I would personally was particularly frustrated with Travion Henderson in the first half watching it live because the hole was there and he just, he would bounce. I mean, if you have the guy blocked out and, and that, I mean, that's why they kept getting holding calls because they had, people blocked out for the hole and he was running right to where the, the guy is. And suddenly you're grabbing because you've lost all your leverage. So I personally think that they got on him. I think they brought in mind Williams and you like, you could see he made a concerted effort to run harder and to not bounce in the second half. And that made it, you know, they run the, they ran the ball well in the second half. The other thing about the run game that I keep harping on is with JT Barrett, or, you know, Braxton Miller, they were a read-run option team. So you're so you're reading a guy, all those yards are going to count towards the run game, whether the quarterback gives it or keeps it. With C.J. Stroud, they are a run-pass option team. So they're doing the same concept, except now he's throwing instead of keeping it. And so those go as, you know, quote-unquote pass yards, but they come off of run plays. So, like, Jackson Smith and Najigba's first touchdown was an RPO. I mean, they just over and over again, like if anything, they didn't do it enough this year because uh, they were so wildly successful doing it whenever they did it. Um, to me, all those come as run plays, because if Utah, if like they want to make the choice to put like eight in the box and play cover one, even if we don't, you and I don't think the Ohio State run game is good. They think it's good because they are concerned <laughs> about the Ohio State run game and they don't want to get run on. So well, you take advantage of it. And that, to me, that's just like, that's just smart football, no matter what you do. Like, you take what, what the defense is giving you. Um, so I don't think it's like – I think there are things that can be tweaked, as I talked about. I think they need to cut down on this run-pass formational issue. I think they need a little bit more run game diversity. I think they need to improve in how they block counter tray. I think Henderson, you know, he's, he's still only a true freshman. I mean, I think he needs to continue to improve. Um, and running backs do, can do that. And so, you know, I think all those things add up. But – they're going to let you throw it like that, then keep throwing it. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We've talked in the past about how RPOs can put the defense in a no-win situation where, you know, whatever they do is wrong. Where if you play the run, you throw it. If they play the pass, you run it. But Ohio State made that true in a different way, depending on whether the corners are playing up on the line or a softer coverage at the snap. So can you explain a little bit about how they did that? Yeah, and so you can just convert those routes, and that's just a read by the quarterback and the wide receiver. So. You know, they got a lot of soft coverage they throw. You know, I'm, I'm sure C.J. Stroud's reading that largely pre-snap. He sees, like, the really soft inside leverage from the corner, and he just pulls it and throws the out. But then, you know, the one against Smith and Jigba touchdown, he, the corner, did try to come up, and he just converted into a go route. And, you know, that was, again, that was a run play. I mean, you know, the easy tell is because no one in college football follows the rule on offensive linemen downfield. So, like, you know, when you see the Luke Whipler like seven yards downfield, you know it was supposed to be an RPO. And, um, you know, and so that's a 60-yard touchdown off a run play on a pass. And so anytime, again, like this is what I harped on after the Michigan game too, right? I didn't think they leaned into it enough because there's partially the, like, the scheme issue of like you have a corner, you know, with no leverage out there. But then also like Ohio State's best players are wide receivers, so get them the ball as much as you can. You mentioned the cover, you know, getting Utah into cover one and, you know, that they did stuff knowing that it was going to get Utah into cover one. You know, that that was the look they wanted to get Utah into. And then they were able to take advantage of it. So can you give us an example of what they did in order to make sure they got Utah into cover one and then why that's something that Ohio State wanted to see and how they were able to take advantage of it? Yeah. So I already mentioned, like, for instance, that fourth and one slot fade to Marvin Harrison. So they they went unbalanced or put quads. You know, so when I say unbalanced, the tight end was covered up and not an eligible receiver, which is a run specific look because you're taking away an eligible receiver. And so, again, you're just counting on the the um, it, you're going to get, you know, a single coverage and you're going to take your shot. So it's it's a gutsy call, but it was like a calculated call. And so, again, they increasingly like in the second half, for instance, went under center. It was probably more under center than I've seen Ohio State do um, probably since Jim Trestle. And they did that because I think 
between, so we talked about the run pass breakdown. They did increasingly throw play action out of under center. And so I think they knew, you know, we're going to get cover one in this look and we feel more comfortable throwing using play action from under center than in, in the pistol. All right. I wanted to touch on something that I've seen a lot of people talking about that play where they lined up Jackson Smith and Jigba in the backfield and then ran him on an angle route. I was looking at that. I was like, oh man, I, I made some hay with, uh, with this exact route on uh, NCAA 14 back in the day, but you know, wh- what are they trying to do there with, with Jackson Smith and Jigba in the backfield and then running him out like that? Yeah, exactly what they did do, which is, <laughs> you know, again, so they got, um, I think that was a cover two look, but you know, you're still going to have those underneath zones. They're basically targeting the middle hole in cover two between the linebackers and the two deep safeties. And so you're going to have to have a linebacker carrying him vertically absent, like a, some sort of check by the defense to adjust to it. Um, and, you know, so that was, you know, Stroud did a great job holding the safety by, by you know, with his eyes on the opposite seam route. And, um, you know, they, I mean, they did sort of the same thing against Michigan too. Uh, if you recall with him, with him on a job. And so, you know, that, that will continue, I'm sure to be a part of what they're doing until uh, defenses show that they can adjust and stop that. All right. And then the last thing I wanted to ask, it was kind of the big question I walked away from that game with how much of that success was stuff that they can really carry forward in the 2022 season. And how much was Utah having, you know, injuries piling up at corner and having to play a running back at corner and things like that. You know, how, how excited should people get about that game and what it might mean for next fall? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously that's a factor, but I mean, they threw the ball well all year and like there's no reason to not think that CJ Stroud's continuing to improve. I mean, with each game, uh, you know, and, and having a, a several weeks to sort of, to, you know, I guess decompress, so to speak, and, and sort of take stock of the season and then build it from there. And I mean, you know, those receivers are, are going to be good against anyone. I mean, Jackson Smith did it all year. You know, Marvin Harrison is a fantastic route runner already. Uh, and it's pretty good after the catch too. So, you know, they were the number one passing offense all year for a reason. And I don't see any reason they, they won't be next year as well. Well, you can find Russ's full article. It's just called comeback on uh, the front page of Buckeyescoop.com. I'll link it in the uh, article, the, the article that goes along with uh, this podcast on the front page of Buckeyescoop as well. And uh, next show, we'll have Ross on again uh, in the coming days, maybe early next week to talk about the defense. Probably not quite as fun of a listen for Ohio State fans, but uh, should be should be insightful as always. So, Ross, thank you for joining me. Happy to, Tom. So make sure you check out Ross's article on the front page of BuckeyeScoop.com. Again, it is just called Fulton Analysis. Come back and uh, you can find that at BuckeyeScoop.com, along with a ton of other great content. Kevin Noon and... Uh, Mark Givler are down in San Antonio at the All-American game this week, churning out a ton of great content down there. There's uh, the news about the new safety transfer from uh, Oklahoma State, Tanner Gallister. That's at BuckeyeScoop.com and much, much more. You can uh, find that all there. You can also find uh, Mark and Kevin are doing a daily podcast update from down at the All-American game on the Gives in the Bank feed. That was a, fan- that was a fantastic listen uh, on Wednesday. I'm sure it will be again on Thursday. So make sure you check that out. And uh, you can also find it on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Buckeye Scoop. That'll do it for today. Thank you guys all for joining us. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.